Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Today it's my pleasure to welcome back once again Ben Nickel. He's one of the most inspiring people in the esports and gaming space from my perspective. And he's going to share a very groundbreaking initiative that he is working on. How he is using technology to disrupt an industry and better connect people and their pets. How is he doing that? Tune in and enjoy me talking to Ben. Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC DLC Drop Drop Podcast. Podcast. All right, I am very excited for this unique episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. Ben Nickel, welcome back to the podcast. That's the first time I've had the opportunity to say that to a guest, as you are the original two-time on the DLC Drop. (laughs) Thanks, John. I'm honored to be your first second guest and um uh congratulations to you for more than 100 episodes it's uh it's been really awesome kind of following your journey as you've gone and made so many of these and talked to so many cool people so thanks for having me back well i appreciate it yeah uh for listeners um i definitely urge you to check out ben's original episode where we walked through his career journey uh with red bull with nyxl with esl um you know really trailblazing the space and a lot of unique and valuable insights that he shared and so since then uh ben you and i have stayed in contact and uh collaborated on a few things and you 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 put something in my ear a while back and i was like man that sounds so unique and interesting um whenever you are ready i want to have you back on because i want to help share this with the masses i want to dig deep into your brain. So let me ask you the first question, which may tip off the audience as to what this is all about. Would you describe yourself as a a cat or a dog person? (laughs) I would describe myself as an animal person, John. I love all animals. I've had cats and dogs. uh, And, and yes, that is certainly a good jumping off point for my little project. Yeah. So tell us what this is all about. Uh, Cool. Yeah. So, I mean, as you've kind of been uh, alluding to, for like three years, my team and I have been working on this thing that we call Kitty Arcade. And it's the world's first cooperative video game that you can play with your cat. Uh, and, uh, you know, we started with a very kind of specific vision. Uh, but what it's grown into is this maybe idea that we can change the way that people and pets play together, right? We've learned so much about how cats play uh, after three years of building and testing and learning and iterating. Um, and also why and also the importance of it all. And, and here we are three years later with like a product that we're very excited about um, that is going to be on sale very soon. Um, and, you know, this, this just like vision for um, connected toys and fun interactive games and f- giving people the ability for the first time ever to say, my pet is better than yours and I can prove it. Um, and <laughs> Not the, just you know, cuter, but better at video games. Um, exactly which is, is definitely something to brag about. Those are some big time bragging rights there. Um, so help us understand. Okay. So we, now we know what this is all about. This is all about cats playing video games, which you might say that sounds ridiculous. You might say that sounds awesome. You might say, where can I get one and how can I sign up yesterday? Help us understand logistically. How does this work? How can a cat play a video game? Yeah. So, um, We'll, we'll take it in two parts. First is like, we'll call it the old way, right? Like it, a lot of people who have cats have downloaded these little tablet games. Uh, Frisky's makes one that's pretty popular called Cat Fishing. Uh, and there's a million different like mouse chase, laser chase, cat toys, games for cats, you know, games on the app store that folks can go check out and download. Um, and the way that those all work is there's some kind of you know, objective, catch the fish that's swimming around on screen or tap the mouse that's moving around on screen. And might, I might get points. But that's really the extent of, like, game design that anybody's ever done for, like, a cat game. With a couple of small exceptions, somebody made a cool, like, cat painting game where a kitty swipes at the screen and it makes, like, a little painting for you. Sure. Um, but basically, like, here's a space that we recognize and see and it's, like, underdeveloped. And we're like, oh, well, we love competitive video games. Let's make, like, the world's first competitive cat game. Yeah. So we sort of... Um, and you know, like I said in my little intro, like as we worked on it for again, it's three years in December that we've been working on this thing. Um, 
we started asking ourselves like all sorts of questions like, what well, does the cat really want to swipe at the screen? Is that really how the cat wants to play? Um, and, you know, our consensus after lots of testing and talking to people was surprisingly, no, Kitty would much rather chase a string. And we're mm -hmm. like, well, that due to our hypothesis. Um, and so we're like, well, what if we just make a cat controller? So we've got this cool device. We call it the Kitty Controller. Uh, and it's just a sensor at the end of a string that, that detects when Kitty pushes a button. Um, but now with that basic tool, we can design one button games that humans and cats can play together. Um, and we've made a couple and they're really fun and, and neat. And we just got finished, you know, filming at TwitchCon where we were tested with hundreds of people. Um, before that, we were in New York doing the same thing. And before that, we we're in Houston doing the same thing. So, you know, like we have uh, products now that we're very excited about. We're just trying to kind of polish it up and, fi and, and finish it. Um, and obviously excited to talk to you about it and show some of your audience what it's all about. Um, we're very proud of it. Absolutely. So from my understanding is essentially you have a cat toy that has a sensor on it. And then that sensor or that toy is Bluetooth enabled to go to your phone where you have a game on your phone. And so as the cat is hitting the sensor playing with the toy, that creates some sort of interaction in the game, which is the result of how a cat plays a video game. Do I have that correct? The DLC Drop podcast is sponsored by Ice Shaker. I've been a huge fan of this brand for the past few years, ever since I met founder Chris Gronkowski. Uh, what I love about this product is the brand story, the functionality, and the customization. Ice Shaker is a Shark Tank company invested in by Mark Cuban and Alex Rodriguez owned by NFL players Rob Gronkowski and Chris Gronkowski. I love using my ice shaker anytime I'm driving to the podcast studio, I'm going skateboarding, or I'm at the gym. No matter what I'm doing, it just does a great job of keeping my drinks hot or cold. The customization for ice shaker is something that's super unique. You can get any name, just about any logo engraved onto your ice shaker and delivered to you within just three to five business days. Get your own DLC drop branded ice shaker at icehaker.com forward slash DLC drop. Save 20% on all ice shaker products with the discount code DLC drop. Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as Kitty hits the toy and you get a point. Uh, and, and how can we then now gamify that, right? And right now, yes, connects to your phone. Uh, the, the idea is like pull this out in your living room and put it on your screen on the TV and you and the family and the cat can all play together. Right. Yep. Or I'm hanging out at my desk and my buddy is at his desk and we both have cats. Let's have a quick one V one and see whose cat is better today. Right. Right. Like it's just a game that we can play with our cat is now kitty can take part in game time. And that's awesome. That is awesome. So, um, now you have a couple different games if I have this right. One, I think, is Pug Racing. Is that right? Which it's hilarious that <laughs> and people have to check this out and we'll share the gameplay content. But for people listening, it is a racing game that kind of looks like horse racing, if you will. But the cats are sitting on pugs. And every time the cat hits the toy, your pug gets an energy boost to boost you ahead, much like in Mario Kart when you get a mushroom and you use that and it gives you a boost. Do I have that correct? Yeah, that's exactly how pug racing works. Uh, when Kitty hits the toy, you get a speed boost, and the first one around the track is the winner. Um, and there's a couple other interactions that the human player might be able to do, but those aren't even that important because at the end of the day, what we've learned is that it's most fun just to focus on playtime with the cat. That's right. And then are there any other games in addition to pug racing or is there something that you want to tease that's another um iteration of this cat and person gameplay collaboration really the promise that we're trying to make to people is that we're gonna make this really cool toy that enables you to play all sorts of games on our, our platform uh and pug racing is one of the first we've got a really cool little fishing game where you go around and catch different fish uh and you can compete in little fishing tournaments um and there's a long list of other types of games that we are developing, have developed, or hope to develop. We've got a fighting game that's completely fleshed out. Um, and uh, you've shown me, awesome. like, I think, the beta of the fighting game. I'm I'm most excited about that one. Yeah. Um, you know, so so there's just a, a bunch. Of we can go with it. The most honest thing I can say is today we're trying to really hone in on 
how do we just sharpen the whole experience so that it's fast and it's fun and it's easy and it's shareable and it's exciting for people, right? Rather than trying to build 100 different games right now, we're trying to just make sure that I can pick this thing up, turn it on, connect to my device and play, and it just be a brilliant experience the whole way through. So we're very much in UI UX world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got two fully developed games. We've got a third mostly developed game. We've got a whole kind of like a cat customization uh, feature that I'm sure you can imagine built yeah. into it. That's all there. In the next few months, we'll be connecting them all and hopefully putting it together in a way that just feels great. Um, and, uh, if all goes well and perfect, we're on sale before Christmas. That'd be neat. That'd be good timing. Yeah. So, you know, when, when someone first hears this, uh, idea of cats playing video games, you might look at that just from the cat's per- perspective. But one thing that we know about the interaction, the relationships of people and their pets is a lot of times that's the closest relationship that somebody has, right? Like we see, the effect when someone's uh, pet, you know, may pass away or dealing with health problems and like the money and the time and the effort to care for this pet. So these are very deep relationships. And what you guys are doing here is you're enabling people to interact with their pets in more meaningful ways. You did just mention that you've been at TwitchCon, you've been touring around the country, um, giving people different experiences. Share a little bit about the reactions that you're witnessing when somebody interacts in this way with their pet? Well, it's, um, it's almost universally positive. I should put an asterisk on there because all of the play testing that we've done has been at like cat cafes, right? So we'll, at, at, during TwitchCon, we were at a cat cafe adjacent to TwitchCon. So a lot of people walked over and tried to get, um, the reason I call that out is because, well, nobody has, well, not nobody, but for the vast, vast majority of our play tests have been a person playing with a cat that's not their cat. Right. A person who oh, interesting. Yeah. To just hang out with cats and to try this cool game. Um, and one of the reactions that we do get very frequently is, oh, my gosh, that was so much fun. I bet my cat would be way better than these buster cats at the cat cafe. You know what I mean? People are like immediately like emotionally invested in this idea that oh, my cat would be better at this than these cats. Um, so that's been really fun. And an- another really uh, interesting observation that's come from our testing has been with our dev team. We have an in-house cat. Obviously, his name is Lou. Uh, and Lou uh, belongs to Drew, who's one of like the founding dev team members. He, he, he handles all of our art and design. Uh, and Lou is like 17 years old, so he's an old cat. He's pretty chill. Um, and Lou, when we were making a tablet game, never touched it. He hated the tablet game. He was not into the tablet game. Other cats tried the tablet game and said it was cool, but Lou was like, eh, not for me. Uh, but as soon as we kind of moved to this idea of the connected toy, Lou started playing with it. And the other really crazy thing is... When Drew and Lou will play together, they will always get a higher score than when I play with Lou or yeah. when Connor or other devs will play with Lou. And that is like profound to us. Like I, I can't quite articulate exactly what's going on there. But Drew and Lou play together better than the rest of us play with Lou. Um, and, and like so within that is this like a, like suggestion that there's like skill here, right? And we can actually truly have like skilled those who are climbing the ladder. Um, it's amazing. And I think about how much fun we can have telling those kinds of stories and, and creating that kind of content just around this fun moment, which is I'm going to play with my cat for 15, 20 minutes and see what happens. Yeah, that's really an interesting point about the connection to the pet between the pet and the owner being a competitive advantage, you could say. Um, and it's so interesting to kind of see that A-B testing. One thing that is a conversation with every parent when their kid wants a cat or a dog right is typically okay if we get the cat you're going to feed the cat if we get the cat you're going to play with it you're going to clean up after all of these things and we do know that gaming is basically a universal phenomenon now with every uh every kid you know a lot of adults as well of course but i told my son the other day about um about Kitty Arcade, and I showed him the video of the pug racing, and he was so blown away and so excited that this was a thing. Talk a little bit about the opportunity with this to connect kids with their pets in the way that the kid also enjoys entertainment. Yeah, I I love that question, Um, and like 
you describe in your experience with your son some of the most rewarding and profound like play tests we have had have been when children have come in with their parents um, because there's this like immediate immediate sense of like the kid gets it right the kid gets video games and and cat right mm-hmm. and um, he's just like he's just locked in and the parents like holy shit what is going on here right um, and um, you know I, like to me um, the the cool thing is this idea of a, of a shared like family moment excuse me I have to cough anyway a shared family moment. This idea that, um, you know, like, like your, your question was, how can this be a thing that the kids can enjoy and they can also like teach them good behavior, right? Like, like take care of the right. pet, right? Like, like we know from talking to vets and behaviorists that it's very important that every pet uh, receive like dedicated focused playtime every day. And if they don't, what is often the case is their behavior becomes destructive. They'll tear up a shoe or they'll scratch up the curtains, Right. Um, and, and the number one, like, solution to, like, a, a destructive pet is just playing with it more and spending more time with it, right? So that's right. kind of the first that we want to be able to, like, number one, inform, and number two, reinforce. Um, so, yeah, if we have a game and it's like, all right, you got to play with your kitty for 15 minutes, but go, just climb the leaderboards, kid. You know, I think that's, I think that's dope. Um, and the other really fun thing about the fact that it's cats is you can't get a cat to do anything that it doesn't want to do anytime <laughs> You want him to do it, right? So Kitty's only going to want to play when Kitty wants to play. So you also have these kind of like special moments when Kitty's clearly like in the mood to play. Like here's your opportunity to pick this thing up and like and and do something unique and special and cool and fun. Um, and I think I you know I, to, to your point about kids, I think it just like resonates very clearly. This is it's the big dopey smile, and that was so great. I can't wait to do that. My cat would be so much better than that cat. Is always the 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 takeaway that we've had at our at our cat cafe sessions um so you know i I can't wait to put it in his hands at home and see how his reaction kind of continues to evolve absolutely that's really interesting um i want to take you over to the development phase of this so when you are building a team of developers um i'm think now this is just i've never developed a video game before myself so i'm going to just take a guess here you tell me if i'm right or i'm wrong I would think I would go to people who have developed a similar game in the past, first-person shooter, whatever, or I would cast my vision and say, hey, for the next five years of your life, like, would you like to be part of making this happen or continuing this franchise or what have you? Um, what is it like going to a developer and say, okay, picture this, competitive games, but for cats? Or do you have a different approach? You know, it's um, it's not so different, John. But this whole project has has been so wild. You know, everything that's happened throughout the course of it feels like it's happened at the right time for the right reason. You know, and so when it, when when I got the idea to to make this thing, I was um, I was at a party during BlizzCon, hanging out with a bunch of professionals from the games industry. And they were all talking amongst themselves. What are you doing now? What are you doing now? What are you doing now? Um, and at the moment, I didn't have anything that I was working on that I was very excited about, but I had this silly idea, right? And so I, I, I shared my silly idea with them. Um, and uh, it was Amy Morheim, who's been publishing games for 30 years, who knows good games, who's been around the industry, um, who was like, Ben, I think that's a really good idea. I think you should work on it. And I was like, shit, if Amy thinks this is a good idea... I have got to figure out how to try to do something with it. Um, and almost like clockwork, a few days later, um, my future business partner gets a phone call from some developers who are trying to sell her some software to make the transactions of concert merchandise easier at concerts. She's working in music tour concert promotion at the time. Um, and so she calls me and she's like, Hey, I just talked to these devs. What do you think about this idea? Um, and I'm like, well, if you think they want to work on it, then cool. And so she like pitched them and her pitch was pretty much the same. Like, well, no, I don't need concert merch right now. It's COVID. But, um, what do you think about making video games for cats? And they're like, that idea sounds ridiculous and preposterous. We kind of love it. And so they flew to LA and they met with us. We talked to them and there's these, there's these three guys, Connor Campbell and Drew, uh, born and raised in Texas. 
they're just spectacular human beings. You know, good, hardworking young men from good families. Like, the, in my opinion, like the quintessential, like, good, you know, Texas boys, right? They're awesome. Uh, athletes, uh, top performers in their schools. And they just work their asses off. And, you know, they came out to L.A. And they just happened to also love video games. Uh, and we totally connected around that. We talked about this ridiculous idea. And they're like, you know, we think this is dope. We'll, we will build you like a technical alpha. And if you, get, if you can find any like investment, then we would happily work on this thing with you. And that's what happened. They built us a technical alpha. It took them like two months to get like the very, very earliest version of this. Um, we started showing it to investors. Investors bought into our vision. Um, you know, angel investors, not huge funds, just individuals who took a bet on us. Um, and we were able to raise a little bit of money. And over the course of the last almost three years, we've gotten to here. Um, so, yeah, long-winded answer to your question. Um, how do we find devs and convince them? I think you have a crazy idea. And you find some people that are crazy enough to take the jump with you. And you go for it. That's, that's the best answer I could give. I think, too, to add to that, um, to give yourself some credit here, too, is, you know, anything I'm considering to get into some you know, doing a new initiative or something, a lot of it has to do with the team, right? The leader, like, what has this person done before? What is their experience? Have they been successful? Are they great to work with? And so I would just uh, put a little shine on you here saying that I think, you know, the amazing work that you've done at Red Bull, NYXL, other places, um, I think that reputation that you've built for yourself, a little more likely that developers are going to join you to develop a cat game than somebody who maybe doesn't have that resume. Well, maybe you'd think they'd join someone who's made a game before because this is also a first. <laughs> but, but, but in spite of it, here we are. I mean, what a cool thing that we've done. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I'm so hopeful that over these next few months, we can start to get people really excited about it because I, I just, I think it's awesome. I know it's fun. Um, and I feel like people will really enjoy it. So I just want to expose it to as many people as possible and get them as excited about it, you know, as excited to try it as we've been to make it. Um, because we want, we also want that feedback, dude. It's just like so fun to get reactions to it. Because then we'd be like, "Oh, we could do this to make it better." And it's, it's been a, it's been a real journey, dude. Well, I love to hear that because I, I think too, a lot of times, especially, I'm on this business side of video games and esports and stuff, and you know, you're talking ROI and viewership and attendance and sponsorships and all these things. And I, I love that you are kind of on the other side of the coin there. And uh, but I always say, you know, sometimes we forget completely while we're having these conversations and we're hosting these conferences, this all comes down to playing games because they're fun, right? And so you may have some idea for a global esports league that's going to bring people together and have investment and owners and sports, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hold up. Did we skip past this is a great game because it's super fun to play? That can be, I think, a common mistake. Yeah, and that's the most common piece of advice that I've gotten as I've talked to game developers over these years. Uh, we've been so fortunate to have such wonderful people who have like spoken with us and, and tried our product out and given us their feedback. And an idea that has become ingrained in us, especially these last 12 months, has been this idea of finding the fun. Like, what is, what about this is fun and enjoyable? What part of this do I like? How do I make that more? Right? Yeah. Um, and Nothing has been more rewarding than like the feeling that first day when we're like, oh, fuck, that was fun. You know, like like all of a sudden it's like a, dr a drug and it sounds maybe terrible, but it's like, oh, that was so fun. I want to make more of this. Yeah, um, I, I know that people are going to love this. How do I how do I create more of this feeling? Because um, it's just I don't it's, it's so bizarre. Like the, the excitement of like my cat just ran the race faster than your cat. We're like, what's up, Drew? Hey, what's up, Lou? You're not so great, 17-year-old Lou. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, I don't know, dude. It kind of taps into that, like, old primal gamer vein that I have. It's just like, I just love to play games. And, like, and when I feel like I'm playing with cat, oh, my God, I've never done this before. That was so fun. The question is, like, well, well, now that I've done it before, how do I make it continue to be fun or, or make it more fun in the future? But, like, one of the first questions you asked was, Usually when you want to make a game, you go to someone who's done it before and no one's ever done this before. Right? We're in a complete white space. No one has ever made video games for cats like this before ever. 
Um, so, you know, we're just figuring it out as we go. Yeah, what an exciting experience. Um, you're, you mentioned a little bit about getting some investors here. Can you help me understand your elevator pitch when you're going to someone and saying, okay, I'm doing something that's never been done before. I've never developed my own video game. And it's also not for humans, it's for cats. Well, it's for both, as we've discussed. But, you know, an investor has certain things that they're paying attention to. They're not giving out money just out of the good of their hearts. They're trying to, you know, receive an ROI on this investment and uh, get in early while they can to then uh, grow that investment. What is your elevator pitch if I'm an investor? I mean, ours was very simple. We started with this idea that millions of people have downloaded bad tablet games. We're going to make a better one because we're gamers and we've been around and we've got all this perspective and idea. And there's at least millions of people that have shown that they would try it, right? Yeah. Um, and so it started there. And that was the first pitch that got us our first checks. Um, but what it has grown into is like, oh, man, there's like hundreds of millions of households around the world that have cats. And a very high percentage of those are like households with millennial women who are, are like tech affluent, who love their cat, who like to like spend time and dote on their cat and like who are always buying the next cool gadget for their cat. Like there's a, there's a very real and definable consumer here. Right. And by the way, it's not limited as it's just like millennial techie women with cats. It's also pretty much just like all cat owners kind of fit this bill and they're all different, but like every cat owner for the most part seems to like be into buying stuff for their cat. Um, so there's a huge market. And when you break it down in America alone, more than a billion dollars every year gets spent on just pet toys, period, right? Um, so our, 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 our pitch has become, look at this amazing concept, product, and idea that we have. We're going to change the way people think about playing games and, and buying toys for their pets. We're going to go and attack 10% of the American pet toy industry. That's a $100 million revenue business. And all, also, by the way, we're going to be doing all this cool stuff with games and microtransactions, and we don't know exactly how to forecast that yet, but we think it could be huge. Right. And also, by the way, we're creating all these dope ways for people to make and share content of their cat setting a new high score and setting a world record. Like, hell yeah, that's dope. Right. And, and so we just have this like layering kind of a, I don't know, proposition that we're making of like, hey, we can go and build this thing. Now, what we that what we have to do is we have to build the thing and prove it. And I think that if we have just the first modicum of success, then this thing could be huge. Um, but I also think that it's also very feasible that there's just you know uh maybe maybe there's a million people in the world that think our thing is cool and we can also run a very sustainable successful business with a community of a million players i think it's very believable that there's a million cat owners in the world that would play this with us uh and and past that if you want to talk about our bigger roadmap like we're talking about all pets so we've got a dog toy in development that we're very excited about right like we i want to make cats versus dogs that game will be huge it'll be gangbusters <laughs> Right. But we got to we got to, you know, crawl first and then walk and then we'll run and then we'll see where we get. Um, but, yeah, that's the pitch. Right. Our pitch is we have this big vision for how we can change the face of playing with your pets and buying toys for your pets and engaging with your pets with cool, smart products. Well, I really love that because you have that um, almost clickbait type title that's like video games for cats. Right. And the basic reaction to that is that sounds ridiculous and then you get a little deeper and you know becomes more tangible and like wait maybe the, maybe there is something here but i really love that breakdown because essentially what you're doing you're going to investors where they don't deal with clickbait they deal with you know what, what are the hard financial facts here and what is the opportunity so you're identifying the size of the market and also identifying that this is a, a market that is ripe for disruption through technology you're developing a technology that is going to do this in a way that is relevant with consumers, not just consumers, but the younger pet owner, which is who people would want to adopt for uh, to become lifelong customers. And then the UGC aspect, user-generated content, is massive. That when you have that as part of this, to be able to share, compete, both in person and online, um, it really all of a sudden, when you put that together, becomes something like, whoa, this idea that I was uh, ridiculing seconds ago, sounds like there's really something there. 
I love it when that light bulb happens and it usually goes very fast. Somebody like looks at it like, oh, this is so silly. And then they think about it for a second. You can, they kind of like, you know, stroke their chin. And then there's like a moment where the eyebrow comes up. Like, oh, wait, this might actually be dope. People might be super into this. Right. And that's kind of where we are in, in the history of our story. People might be super into this. So now we got to go make them super into it. We got to we got to prove it. We got to do the final piece, which is like getting this into people's hands and having them have a good experience with it. So you're talking about um, getting people stoked. I know that um, you have some experience getting people stoked in other roles. You know, you've you were at Red Bull for a while. You and I were pretty close when you're uh, you were on NYXL, which was the Overwatch League team, the first New York City dedicated pro esports team that was really geographically located. And um, for people who want to really learn about what Ben did there, I I would encourage you to listen to our previous episode. Talk a little bit about how you are taking your learnings from time at Red Bull, what you learned there, time at NYXL, building this fan base from nothing, and then applying this to this new group of people. Yeah. Um, man, that's a, I might be long-winded here. I'll try my best, John. Go for it. Um, I think my whole career has kind of been about like speaking to communities and growing them and talking to them and engaging with them, right? I came from just loving starcraft and was fortunate enough to be a starcraft commentator and to travel around the world um during the peak of all that stuff like when it was at its hottest and coolest like that was such a special time uh and then i got to go move to red bull and spend five years building marketing campaigns and throwing parties for gamers and just kind of connecting with consumers and then I went to new york and launched a team um, and built that fan base from nothing. Right. But, but all of it is always kind of about going to the people and understanding what they love and trying to connect with them and make them have a good time. Um, you know, so now we're trying, I was saying, I don't think we've done an adequate enough job of identifying exactly who our consumer is yet. One of the stops we made, um, on this recent roadshow across the country was at CatCon in Pasadena. And, I noticed that there was a very measurable percentage of consumers that are this like young, probably trending female, like techie person who like loves cats and they're there and they're showing up in force. Um, but there was also like a lot of like old ladies and Facebook moms and grandpas who like maybe, I don't know, man, I don't know how easy it's going to be to win that consumer at all. We even really need to talk about them, but mm-hmm. certainly like there's like two different groups that we have to figure out how to speak to that. Like, maybe it's the, that the Facebook ad is different from the, TikTok video. I, I have I have no idea. It's like one of the things I got to figure out. Um, but ultimately, the thing that we're really trying to do is get people excited about this concept of like let's change the way that we play with our with our pets. Um, let's see if we can kind of try to create some evangelists, some like true fans of our product and our vision and what it is that we're doing. And we're like, this is dope. I love the idea of playing this game with my cat. I think it's important that I can play for a few minutes with my cat every day. Um, get them invested in our story. Get them to be our first 100, 200, 500 consumers and users. You know, turn that into positive feedback and word of mouth and good reviews on Amazon, among other places. Um, and then hopefully, you know, the algorithms start to pick that up and that starts to turn into scale. Right. Ultimately, at some point, our reality is we have to be able to sell thousands of cat toys if we're going to sustain our business. So we have to catch some kind of a wave if we're going to if we're going to cross that very important threshold. Yeah, I have a thought for you that just popped in my head. and I'm curious just to get your live feedback here. Um, one thing that I've recognized through my time in video games and esports is there's a lot of people who are gamers who do not, would not identify as a gamer. Meaning, there's a lot of people, specifically women, on their phones playing Candy Crush. And if you asked them, hey, are you a gamer? You play video games? You're like, no, uh, excuse me while I try to beat this level. <laughs> it's like, no, you're playing what you're doing right now means you're a gamer. And so, I'm curious if there's an opportunity for you to help your market identify as your market by opening their eyes to what um, the full scope of gaming really is. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Something that my co-founder has brought up in the past is she thinks that we have an opportunity to like convince people that they're gamers or or bring a new consumer into gaming, right? That wasn't here before. Uh, And one of our very earliest like when we first raised money, we made a lot of jokes at our own expense, right? One of our earliest like observations was there's something like 1.3 million gamers in, or billion gamers in the world and something like 600 million cats. So we can like grow the total 
five by a third, right? It was one of our first pitches, right? Like, sure. Uh, you know, we, we try to have fun with those ideas. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I think the other very important question, though, is like where to start and how. Like, should I focus on converting that user right now or should I, con- or should I focus on finding the center of the bullseye and making sure that those most excited people um, get as much exposure to this as possible so that it can start to bleed from the inside out? I don't actually know the answer. I think, I think the Red Bull way is, you know, start at the middle and go out. But Red Bull's a multi-billion dollar brand. How do you right. start at zero and, and get to that? You know, one of the things that I really appreciated that you did at NYXL was you built something that enabled people to feel like they were part of a community. And so there were tokens that we talked about at our um, on our last podcast where you go to an event, you got the token, you get a free drink or whatever. But you built something where people even who played different games other than Overwatch felt like they were part of something and a community. How are you leveraging that? Or how do you think that potentially may manifest where these pet owners feel like they're part of an even closer community than before the game? Yeah, that's a, that's another really important question. And one that I'm trying to sort of find the most correct answer to, I'll tell you what we're trying right now is we're, is we're beginning to work with some smaller streamers. And I don't even want to use the word smaller because respectfully they're like, proper medium-sized streamers um many of them are six feet taller or over exactly is what i hear exactly um you know but like but 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 good streamers with really cool and engaged communities but these particular streamers have cats they've tested our game they think it's dope they've had good ideas that they've shared with us right and so i think a big part of the mission becomes like let's bring them closer let's bring them closer to our decision making and to our discussion and like let's ask them what do they really enjoy what do they not like and let's 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 Try to give them more of what they enjoy and let's try to take away the things that they're saying they're not enjoying uh, and let's let them have like a regular kind of, um, I don't know, discourse with us and with our team and, and also between us and their stream, right? Let's do this together. Let's yeah. do a play test with your audience and let's see if we can come up with cool uh, ways or ideas to engage your audience also, right? Look, can your audience download this app and do something cool that affects your play session with your cat? Like, I don't know. Is that worth the dev cycles? Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But we want to talk about those kinds of ideas um, because the, the very best version of this game is certainly not going to be what we make first, right? It, right. Historically, hasn't been. It's going to be what we become after we get all the feedback and, um, and, and make all the iteration and, and kind of grow with it, um, hopefully. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that's really cool that I, I really love from an influencer approach and building these communities is understanding that these influencers, these gaming streamers are complex human beings, just like the rest of us. Like they enjoy more than just the simple act of playing video games. And one example, one of my good friends, Melanie Mack, she was on the podcast as well. She's a former host of GameStop TV. She does a lot of uh, Tomb Raider content, but she's also a huge she, Pittsburgh Steelers fan. What's that? She dated my good friend Rotterdam for a little while. Which is probably not appropriate for the podcast, but but I know Melanie well. <laughs> Great, yeah. So you know that she's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, right? And so there's that thing too. It's like, oh, what, if I like the Steelers or I'm really into football, like I'm also more interested in her. And then she's also a great artist too. Like she does a lot of uh, character art and things of that nature. Also, a very famous cat owner that comes to mind is Taylor Swift. So the Swifties out there are very familiar with um taylor swift's two cats uh olivia benson meredith gray uh oh i think there's a a third i'm actually looking this up i just for the audience and to be clear i do not have taylor swift's cats names memorized i came in that john there would be no (laughs) i'm just trying to capture that audience for the podcast ben i mean i'm sure you can respect that approach but my point here being is when you know more about somebody who is famous or that you look up to, you aspire to be, and they have that thing in common, you become a more engaged fan. And very oftentimes that thing is pet ownership. Does that make sense? I mean, that makes, that is certainly a common thread that ties so many of us together. I mean, most of us have pets, right? Most American households have pets. Right. Uh, we love them. Right. Like I have a big fluffy dog that travels with me everywhere. 
for the folks that don't know, I've been on the road for the last almost three years trying to make a game. So no, I don't have a cat that travels with me everywhere. Um, I have a big fluffy dog. Her name is Luna and she goes with me um, all over America and she's a huge part of our dev team and she and Lou are best buddies. You know, well, but we I was have gonna, this. I was going to say, most importantly, I think here is how is Luna feeling about you spending so much time with these cats? I think is to get to the bottom of this. She's very supportive. She's a team player, right? She's 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 a big part of the project. She'll show up in the game in some capacity, I'm sure. You know, um, but but the the, the the point that I want to make is like you know, we we most of us have pets. We all love our pets. We should all want to like play with them more, connect with them more, and um, you know, I, I just I. I I, I love playing with Luna. I can't wait for our dog toy. Uh, I'll give I'll spoil it a little bit. We call it tug game. So it's just a it's a tug sensor. How hard is my dog pulling? And now my dog can play tug with another dog, right? Like, like that's so dope, right? Yeah. I can't wait to play with Luna. Um, and like I just I I really truly believe that like this sentiment can exist all throughout like all sorts of let's make a bird game. You know, how many bird owners are there out there? Like, how many how many how much money would I have to make to justify spending money developing a bird game? Um, let's find you know, out like, seriously we can, we can do the research of the of the billion dollars a year spent on pet toys it is 99.9% cats and dogs I'll tell you that right and not many of them are competitive video games so we've got we've got opportunities to grow here yeah correct new category so I have a question to take that uh, fan engagement perspective on kind of the other side of the coin here so you talked about how you can do things that are going to engage fans, but I think we know that when we want something to be successful, that we believe in, that we are passionate about, that we think is dope, when the fans can embrace and promote the company or the game, that's a huge step in being successful. So for anybody who is listening to this podcast and thinking, you know what, I'm a pet owner, this sounds like a really cool way that I would love to engage with my pet. How can those people support you to help make this a success? Well, thank you for giving me that opportunity, John. Um, today, the best thing to do is to support us by following on social or signing up for our newsletter. You can find all of it at www.kittyarcadegame.com, uh, which is very easy to spell, kittyarcadegame.com. Uh, um, and all of our socials are at Twitty, uh, at Twitty, at Kitty Arcade Game. Um, and like I said, our, our our very big short-term goal is to be on sale with probably our first hundred toys very soon, right? So we've got about that many hands up to buy one right now. So like now you could still probably get in and catch one of those first hundred if you wanted to, but it's filling up quick. And I'm wanting to make the first ones like dope like we'll only make a hundred it's going to cost us like twenty thousand dollars because there's a lot that goes into making them after that it'll be much cheaper to make them but i want to have them all hand painted uh and i think they're just going to be special right mm -hmm. so hopefully um we can galvanize enough people that that all of those go and sell out immediately um and and if you want if you're excited about that it's at kitty arcade game on uh twitter tiktok instagram uh and kitty arcade where you can sign up for the newsletter and that's probably the first place you'll see a chance to to own uh, the kitty controller. That's really cool because I love the customization aspect and the exclusivity. You know, back in the day, it used to be you want to have the same shoes that everyone at school has. And nowadays the kids want, um, I, the kids, I sound so old, my goodness, um, <laughs> want the shoes that nobody else has, right? And so that customization, that um, numbered, you know, hey, this is number five out of a hundred. Um, so not only is this a way to support you um, for the people who really believe in this, but it's also something that you, you have the opportunity to get that no one else has. No one else will have the first 100 out of the million of these that I'm sure are going to end up being produced. Uh, what an opportunity. Well, I hope we end up making a million of them. That would be a great success story. Um, and yeah, dude, like, like here's one more shout out for your community. If you're a if you're an artist, if you like paint paint stuff or do airbrushing or anything like that, like I am, I'm trying to find 100 artists each to do one of these controllers. It'll probably end up being fewer than that, um, but but all artists who think it's a cool idea and they would love to hand paint one of the world's first kitty controllers, please reach out. Um, there will be lots of ways, but the easiest again, newsletter, kittyarcadegame.com. Send us an email. I think it's uh, founders at kittyarcadegame.com. 
and uh, we'd love to talk to you. Awesome. And then I believe once you have one of these in hand, what another step that would be extremely helpful to you is to post a review about it. And so where can people post reviews about uh, the, the kitty controls once they get them? Well, right now they won't be able to, but probably most likely the smartest thing for us to do is going to be to have an Amazon shop. Um, and if not that, it'll be a Shopify page. Um, but we will certainly over communicate about that via our newsletter and across our social as soon as we start to kind of trumpet that message. And that will be soon. By the time we post this podcast, John, we might be out there in the world. I love that. Um, and then, so you're starting off, obviously, with an online approach. I believe that things go the way you want to. You would love to have these in retail. Um, is that part of your your broader strategy moving forward um, after oh, this first set? Absolutely. So, um, you know, for a retailer to take you seriously, I think you have to show some traction. So we got to build that first. Um, it's also worth like stating that like 75% of pet toys that get bought in America are actually still bought in brick and mortar stores, if you can believe that. So if we want to be the most successful version of ourselves, we got to get to that one day eventually. Um, right. But we're not going to there without this first step of getting people excited and getting those first hundred diehard users and getting those first hundred orders on Amazon, right? And getting those first, you know, 10 good reviews uh, and dealing with the first bad one-star review, which is just going to torpedo everything, right? Uh, and, and so forth, right? Like we're, we're on the journey and um, we have like all this great, fun, exciting momentum, but there's still so much tough work ahead of us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one more piece of insight that I'd love to get from you is um, your passion is obvious, you know? Um, we had talked uh, earlier about how this idea, people hear this, you know, that first reaction sometimes is is dismissal, could be ridicule, could be something like that. And I think one thing that I've experienced in my life personally is caring way too much about what people think about me. And I've really worked on that over the last five years or so. And there's so much power in just having confidence in who you are and what you want to do and not giving other people power over those things in your life. Share a little bit about either how you developed this nature or your mindset that you're just like, you know what? I'm doing this thing because I really believe in it. And whether you're like, screw the haters or I'm going to win over the haters or however you approach that, I think that's a very powerful message to learn. Well, John, I've always had a chip on my shoulder, um, you know, because I don't know why, because I'm a man raised in the South uh, with a complicated family and who knows what else. Right. Um, but like that chip on my shoulders always made me feel like, I, yeah, I can do it. You know, to, to hell with the haters. I, I can make this happen. Right. Like that's always been there. Um, I kind of think it was, it's despite as much as that has pushed me, I think it might be a little bit unhealthy to kind of go through life that way, right? Trying to do things in spite of others versus, you know, for the sake of the journey or for the people that you're on it with. Hmm. Uh, and really, the uh, we're going to get philosophical for a second because you opened the door. But really, the kind of ethos that I preach is just, man, the universe provides. Every day, we're exposed to like weird, crazy opportunities. And, and the only way we're going to truly take advantage of them is if we leave ourselves open to them, right? And so one day I had this crazy, silly idea and I shared it with somebody and I felt validated by it. And I was just like, man, that might just be a sign that I need to try to do this. So let's see if I can get some more people excited about it to go with me. And sure enough, I did. And before I knew it, I had a team and we're all working on it together. And, and the more work we put into it, the more conviction we have for it. Um, and all along the way, there's just been these just crazy, just like sequences of, of just the right things lining up. And the right investor jumping in at the right time uh, or the right breakthrough happening right when we need it for like our for our team to find the fun. You know, like it's it's it's, it's been a profound journey. The, the ultimate message is like you, you, wild, weird, strange, profound opportunities present themselves all the time. And we got to stay open to them. Right. And so like the this project is so silly. It's ridiculous. I acknowledge that. Um, but I had this crazy opportunity to just jump at it. And so I tried. Uh, and, you know, I have stubbornly like pushed ahead despite people being like, man, that guy's crazy. You really think you can make that work? You know, I, I don't know guys. I don't know if I can make it work, but it's, it's, it, it's, an, it's an exciting journey that I'm very proud of. And I just want people to be open to, to, to taking those shots, right? Shoot your shots. You, who knows how it's going to work out in the end. 
but like shoot the shots and like make something cool, do something fun, invest your time and your heart and your energy into things that you can feel good about and be proud of. And I think life will be good in the end if you can, uh, if you can do those things. Yeah, I totally agree. What I take from you with that is the message of try, you know, all of these things that have happened, uh, at the right time, the right place sort of a thing, which is an amazing story. None of that would have happened if you didn't try. And I feel like so many people are stuck in that place of I'm thinking about the thing, whether to move across the country or start the business or take the next leap here, X, Y, Z. And in, in my experience from my short entrepreneurial journey, the most difficult time is before you jump. That's the scariest time. I, I compare it to a polar bear swim, if you will. You know, you're, you're standing on the deck uh, above this frozen lake and you're a little cold and you're looking at that water and you're like, oh my gosh, that's going to be so insanely cold and I'm so afraid to jump. Now, once you get yourself to plunge into the water, yes, there is an initial shock. Oh, it's cold. But guess what happens? You remember that you know how to swim and you're already in the water and as you grasp one handful of water after another and you remember I should start kicking while I'm moving my arms as well, all of a sudden you start to make traction. You start to move forward. And I think that is an analogy of the entrepreneurial journey. And the first thing for everything else to work, for everything else to happen, try. Take the jump. Yeah, I mean, well said, John. You got to send it. You got to just choose a direction and commit to it. See what happens. The universe provides there will be other choices along the way, right? You can correct your course. Like, it's just, just get out there and do something. I love that. Well, um, before I let you go, let's make sure that people get the information that they need so that we can make sure we're effectively following you, taking the actions that you would like people to do. Um, I would love for our audience to you know, support you. If you hear this idea, you want to do a demo, you want to play the game, you want to get one of those 100 exclusive cat toys. Um, how can we do that for you? Yeah. I mean, um, please follow our, our game socials at kitty arcade game, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Uh, you can follow me. Uh, I, I talk about this all the time on my Twitter at Mr. Bitter TV. Um, but really the best place is our newsletter, which you can sign up for at www kittyarcadegame.com wonderful i love the brand consistency there uh probably from your red bull background all right well ben um man i'm so excited to i, I always love our conversations every time i get a chance to get you on the phone um and it's it's a super special first time two time you know to have you as my first second guest on the dlc drop podcast um i'm excited to see how the game works uh, my mom has dogs, not cats. So, you know, I'm gonna look forward to those dog games when those come out to, to become a consumer myself. Um, but thank you so much for joining me again today on the DLC drop podcast. You're the man, John. I always appreciate it. Thank you for talking to me. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the DLC drop podcast. This podcast is part of the esports future. I podcast network and produced by innovation media enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.